Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. She knew at the age of eight that she was called to be a missionary. After earning a degree in social work from Cedarville in 2019, Leah Harper moved to Romania to follow her calling. Today, she's not only serving Romanians, but also refugees from Ukraine. Listen to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast as Leah shares her struggles and joys with your host, Mark Weinstein. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and I'm excited to share with you the first of three podcasts that have extra meaning right now as we see the war in Ukraine taking place. Today, I'm starting a three-week mini-series with individuals who have been impacted by Russia's attack on Ukraine. In this mini-series, I will be talking with Leah Harper, a missionary in Romania who is ministering to Ukrainian refugees. I'll also talk with Abigail Rist, a junior at Cedarville who lived her entire life in Ukraine before enrolling at Cedarville three years ago. And finally, I'll wrap up the series with a conversation with Dr. Glenn Dewar, Associate Professor of International Studies at Cedarville, who is a citizen of the United Kingdom, Canada, and the United States. All three of these programs will provide you insight into the international conflict from different perspectives. I trust you will take these conversations to heart and become more aware of the situation as a result of our programs. The programs will also help you know how to pray in a more focused way. As I mentioned earlier, joining me today is Leah Harper, who earned a social work degree from Cedarville in 2019. We'll dive into when she felt called to serve the Lord in Romania and what she has been doing since the Ukrainian refugees reached Romania in a few minutes. And before I start my conversation with Leah Harper today on the podcast, I want you to know this program was recorded on March 9th. And because of the geographical distance between Romania and Cedarville, Ohio, there are points in the program where the sound isn't as sharp as normal. Still, I am sure you will be inspired as you hear this program with Leah Harper. As I as I think about all the podcasts that we've done, Leah, I believe you were the first person, the per, first guest to be outside of the United States when we recorded the program. So, Leah, how is everything right now in Romania? Um, things are good. Things are hectic. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on with, with the refugees. And, and I mean, there was a lot going on before that just with the country of Romania. We've been, I mean, my community center specifically has been pretty busy throughout this whole time, um, providing housing and meals and resources and, and raising funds to ship resources to Ukraine. Um, so there's there's a lot of fear from Romanian people uh, that the war will come here. Um, of uncertainty for people from Ukraine, not knowing if or when they'll get to go back and what they will go back to. Um, some people have plans of places to go, friends to stay with, and other people just don't. And so. Um, there's a wide range of emotions and, and things going on that um, are impacting a lot of people here. I'm sure there are. But Leah, uh, let's, let's begin with a brief geography lesson. Um, what are some of the similarities and differences between Romania and the United States and the people of both countries? Yeah, so Romania compared to like Ohio um, is a little bit more it's about similar in um, weather. So we're, we're a little bit further north than Ohio is, but we have similar seasons. Um, I'm living in Transylvania. I'm living in Cluj, which is in Transylvania, which is a region of Romania. 
And um, Cluj is situated in a valley between um, some mountains. There's the Carpathian Mountains to our east. Um, uh, Culture-wise, it's a lot. It's it's more different from the states. Um, it's a uh, event-based culture, but, uh, as opposed to U.S. being a time-based culture. So, um, but the Romanian people tend to focus on doing one thing at a time and then moving to the next thing, um, not worrying so much about time. Whereas in the states, we tend to be a lot more focused on certain place at a certain time. And, and if we don't get the thing before that done, then it doesn't get done and we move on to the next thing. And it's not how Romanians are really at all. Um, so that's that's a, a difference. Um, there is a really rich culture here, the history that goes back to um, before Jesus was born. There are Roman ruins here because uh, the, the people that predate Romanians were called Dacians and they were um, actually part of the Roman Empire at one point. As I think about um, the difference between how Romanians live on a daily basis, you know, for us, you know, if we're not if we're not juggling five things at one time in America, there's something wrong with us. So it's refreshing to hear it's refreshing to hear that uh, the Romanians take one thing at a time and 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 work on focusing and doing it well. As I mentioned in the introduction, Leah uh, is a missionary in Romania, and part of her mission right now is to care for refugees from Ukraine. Leah, help us understand when you first felt the call to be a missionary. Yeah, I was eight years old the first time that I felt a call to be a missionary. Um, and that was just, I was at church growing up um, in Sunday school, like most other you know kids, a lot of kids that did that. But we had a missions conference in my church that week. And so a missionary came to my Sunday school classroom when I was in third grade and talked about what she was doing. And she was actually a missionary to New Mexico um, and worked at a charter school there that provided um, schooling for kids that couldn't afford private school, but didn't have a good public school option. And I mean, I was eight and I didn't know a whole lot about faith or, or life, but I knew at that point, I remember hearing the Holy Spirit say, you're going to do that someday. And I didn't know what that meant, what that would look like. Um, I didn't know if that meant New Mexico or somewhere else. I just knew that, that that was what God wanted me to do someday. So you got, you got that call and you didn't know what to do with it, but at one point, did you feel called to Romania, or how did Romania get put on your heart that you wanted to go to go there? So I started going on mission trips when I was about 11 years old with my church, and one on one almost every year um, since that time. And it, they were all now within the states. You know, we did disaster relief trips, we did school trips, we did um, you know, construction trips. Um, all over the United States. And then the summer before my senior year of high school, I had this opportunity to go on, we called it an international work camp where we went to Romania and um, stayed for two weeks and just did ministry with the churches that are here. Um, I went to the informational meeting and was really, really interested. And um, at the time I thought it was just excitement, but I think now there was a part of, a part of me that the Holy Spirit was saying like, this is going to be life-changing for you. And so I went home and told my parents about it. And my mom said, you can go if dad goes with you. <laughs> she was hesitant yeah. to send me across the world by myself at 17. Um, and long story short, he went to the next informational meeting and my whole family ended up going, both of my parents and my younger brother. And I all went to Romania the summer of 2016. And I loved it. And I knew that at that point that I still wanted to be a missionary, but I didn't know what that was going to look like. I was already looking at Cedarville, but I didn't know what I wanted to study. Um, and I didn't know it made the most sense as far as missions, but after being in Romania, 
um, and knowing that I wanted to be a part of what God was doing here. Um, one of the pastors here actually suggested social work, which is how I ended up at Cedarville. Well, I'm glad you ended up at Cedarville and uh, even thrilled more that you are serving the Lord in Romania, especially right now at a great time of need. And I'm talking with Leah Harper, a missionary in Romania. And I'm curious, Leah, how is the morale of the refugees whom you are serving today? Um, it varies widely. Uh, I have been impressed with the morale. Um, a lot of people are really scared when they get here. And you can see, you know, tears in their eyes as they're fleeing and running and um, just uncertainty. But a lot of them have been here for a couple of days now or close to a week now. And um, we've begun to build relationships with them. We've helped them get settled. If, if they're not, you know, some people are just passed through on their way to Poland or Germany or England or wherever. Um, mm -hmm. But for the people who are staying, we're beginning to build a relationship with them. Right now, we actually have a, a community time in our, in our restaurant in the community center here um, that's going on right now where people from that are staying at the hotel and from the community that are Ukrainian can come and spend time together. Um, and so we've, we've seen relationships being built um, between Romanians and Ukrainians, uh, between Ukrainians that didn't know each other before this. Um, so while it's really hard and there are a lot, of, a lot of difficult things, I've been impressed with the resilience of the people and their ability to rebuild community as quickly as they have. So you mentioned the um, community center and the hotel. Um, what are what are some of the roles that you were doing before the refugees came and now with the refugees coming? Yeah. So before um, the war started, I was living here at the community center, um, serving with a couple of the NGOs. So there's six NGOs that are here and I help with several of them. Um, one of them being the church, because the Methodist church here in Romania is small enough that it's not recognized as a religious affiliation. So it operates as a non-government organization. And then the other two work with teenagers and works with um, personal development for teenagers. And so I would go to orphanages a couple times a week um, and just do social activities with the kids. Um, one of the homes is for kids with special needs. And we do a lot of and I, we recently started an English club um, for teenagers here at the community center just for them to practice their English. Um, which has been a lot of fun. We play games and just kind of have conversations in English. And then since, um, since the war started and refugees have come, I've been working a lot more in the hotel. Uh, we used to provide breakfast for people who stay at the community center. So the community center has 30 rooms and 20 of them are for the NGOs, but 10 rooms are for our hotel still. Um, we still rent out the rooms as a form of income. And so we still offered breakfast for people staying at the hotel. But now since refugees have been staying in those hotel rooms, we offer three meals a day. So I spend a lot of my, my free time when I'm not working with those programs now in the restaurant, um, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, we have a lady who does do the cleaning here, uh, but there have been times where we've had a high turnover rate of refugees coming and going and coming at, at odd hours. Yeah, those have been the biggest differences. And then just organizing events, like uh, we invited a couple of the Ukrainian teenagers to join us for English Club, which was super fun on Monday. Um, and it was great to have Ukrainians and Romanians and Americans just all having a good time playing games together. Um, over the weekend, they organized a painting session for the kids too, where they came and painted on canvases and just had, had fun times together. So we've been doing a lot of, a lot of community building things. Earlier, you mentioned NGOs. What's, what's NGO? Non-government organization. 
So that's a nonprofit-like organization? Yeah, pretty much. And Lee, I, I recently learned you had a conversation with a woman uh, from Odessa, Ukraine, which is in the southern part of Ukraine. She showed you side-by-side photos of the Opera House in her city and what it looked like today compared to after World War II. Can you share with us what you saw and her reaction to the images? Yeah. Um, so she, I've been having conversations with her pretty regularly. Um, she's actually not living here anymore, but they still come back every day for lunch, which has been really fun to get to continue to build that relationship. Um, but she was showing me videos of, of um, you know, bombs going off in her hometown that her friends had shared and, and different things like that. And she also showed me this picture, these pictures of this opera house that she said was two blocks from her home that she loved to go to. She could walk to and go see a, a show sometimes. Um, and it was a picture of it in, I think it was 1944, 1945, somewhere around there with, um, I don't even know what they're called, but just these different like barriers set up around it and all of these, these war things um, set up around the opera house. And then she showed me a picture of it from you know, last week and it looks almost identical. All of these, these things set up around this beautiful 200 year old building that had stood through World War II and is now standing during this other extremely difficult time for them. Um, and I could tell it affected her a lot too, to see the, the difference. You know, she made a comment, I can't believe that this is what my home looks like just five days after I left. So you've obviously seen a lot, had a lot of emotions uh, since the war started. And again, I, we're recording this on March 9th, so uh, some things may have changed since uh, a time of recording and when this airs. But um, what has been maybe the most surprising thing for you that you have seen in the uh, initial part of the of the war with uh, Russia? Um, just the resilience of the people has stood out to me so much. Seeing the kids become friends with people and just move on, you expect to see so much heartbreak, and there is, there is that. But that's not all you see. You know, there's just there's so much hope amidst that as people are are settling in and giving back. We've had so many families that um, are staying near the community center because they want to continue to serve as refugees continue to come. So they're they're settling in, getting, you know, up under two feet, but then they're choosing to come back to us and help people who are still fleeing the country. And that has been really inspiring to see. Um, and also not necessarily unexpected in a way of like, you know, I just expected people to be upset and, and not give back, but it, it was unexpected. It wasn't something I thought would necessarily happen um, because they were in so much, in such a difficult place. You don't expect them to think, oh, I should give back, but that's what they've been doing. It's been really, really cool yeah. to see. So let's pivot a little bit in the conversation. <laughs> so we've been talking about the, the war, the refugees, but now let's talk about the Lord and how have you seen him working in you and in the people during this time in Romania? Yeah, he's, he's been moving. Um, our, so our church started doing bilingual church services so that Ukrainians could join. Um, so we, two of the, so we have a pastor here in Cluj and a pastor in a village church out in the chest, and he started coming so that he can translate um, from Romanian to English because m- most of the Ukrainians here do speak English. Um, so we've been doing bilingual church services, which has been really cool to see how the Lord is bringing people together in that way. Um, you know, yesterday was International Women's Day. And so there was an event here at the community center where over 30 women that were Romanian, American, um, 
the Ukrainian from, there were women from um, the United Kingdom that came and just celebrated together. And so it's, it's been interesting seeing how the community has become so much more international. Um, and I think I've, I've seen the Lord move in that way um, and just bringing people together and growing the church here. And even just like in sustaining and providing, um, I didn't expect to do any of the any of the interviews that I've been doing over the past week. Um, but there have been so many people that have reached out and have said, you know, we've donated to whatever you're doing. We've donated to what you're doing because of what we've heard about. And it's been so moving for me because um, we are, you know, trusting the Lord to provide. We're sending thousands of dollars of supplies to the Ukrainian border, just trusting that that people are going to, to give and cover that cost. Um, because there are kids there that we know that that have diabetes and don't have access to insulin, and there are so many other medical supplies and needs there that they just can't get to um, in Ukraine. And so, and so we're we're doing what we can and, and trusting that the Lord will provide, and He is. You know, there's there's churches that are reaching out to to myself and to um, another American missionary here, saying, "How can we give?" And, and we have these specific needs, and the Lord's meeting them, and it's been really really cool to see. Now, we've talked earlier about, you know, how the refugees are feeling. Um, I would think even for you, there could be a sense of concern, fear, or whatever. How has the Lord given you a peace, maybe a peace that passes all understanding in the times of tr- a trial that you've been seeing? Yeah. Um, I've had so many people ask me, you know, if I'm, if I'm planning on leaving or what the point is where I'm planning on leaving or, you know, if I have a plan or all these different things. And, yeah, we've talked about it. Um, you know, it, it is, the war is really close, um, but I, ha- I haven't been scared. And, you know, I think the, the peace that, that I know has come from the Lord came when I, I was in conversation with my parents and, and earlier in that day, my grandparents, um, they both actually called me one day and, and both of them said, you know, yeah, we're concerned, but we trust the Lord and we know you're where you're supposed to be. And, and that was the phrasing that both of them is, we know you're where you're supposed to be. To me, that just gave me such a peace because, um, you know, I believe that and I know that and the Lord has given me that assurance, but it just was so encouraging to know that he gave that to the people that, that love me most and that would be most concerned. Um, that he's given them that peace too, that this right now, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And, and it's, it's also helps just to be a comfort to other people because there are a lot of Romanians who are scared. Um, and nervous, and, and I understand that. I mean, it is scary, and, and I think the most common fear I've heard is is after Ukraine, you know, didn't let men leave. Um, I've heard a lot of a lot of my friends who are women who have boyfriends and husbands are just scared that that their you know significant other is going to be drafted if the war comes here, and that they they won't be able to leave and, and like that. And so, um, you know, me having that peace, but also understanding their fear. Thanks for thanks for sharing that, that in a sweet and honest way. I, I really appreciate that. And as you said earlier in the program, uh, a, a reason why you came to Cedarville is because you wanted to study social work. Um, from your experiences in Romania, how was your education and the experiences you had as a Cedarville student? How did they prepare you for your life's calling? Yeah, there's a lot of ways that I, I feel like I've used so many things from Cedarville here. Um, you know, starting off educationally, I, I so appreciate that. So the pastor here that, that my family is really good friends with is the one who pointed me to social work. And I'm to be honest, when I came to Cedarville, I didn't even know what social work was. But I was like, okay, I'll try it. And it ended up being a really good fit. 
And I learned so much from my professors um, in the social work department specifically. Um, one thing that, that my advisor, Professor Huff, always said was social workers, we do not always have to have the right answers and we won't always have the right answers, but we can always ask good questions. And that's something that I have used so much in the past two weeks of like, I can't fix this. I can't do anything to fix this, but um, I can ask good questions and I can, I can try to get to know the people who are in my circle and who the Lord has allowed me to build relationships with. And, um, you know, I can try to ask good questions that, that allows them to feel a sense of peace and relief and to just have a, play, a safe place. You know, I, I think a good question can create a safe space better than, um, you know, any statement can sometimes. So that has been a really big thing from Cedarville that I've, I've taken with me over the past couple of weeks. And also just this, the knowledge of, of how to be a social worker. You know, I'm not, I'm not practicing social work in an official sense here. Um, right now I'm technically a volunteer based on my visa, but I'm using a lot of social work, social work skills on developing um, programs for kids. We're, do, we're doing an after school program and this is even outside of, of working with refugees, but also um, some of the programming that we're doing with refugees, you know, planning an English club and, and organizing different community events like that. Um, I've used a lot of the skills that I've learned from Cedarville. And then not academically related at all. Um, when I was at Cedarville, I started playing on the, on the Ultimate Frisbee team. And since then, the, the main community that, that I have outside of, outside of the church and outside of the community center is the Ultimate Frisbee team here that I've started playing with. And um, that's been a really fun and random thing that, that the Lord has used that um, has actually led to some really cool conversations because I, I'm meeting with these people who are not connected to the church at all. And, and when they ask, why are you in Romania? I get to tell them, well, I'm a full-time missionary and here's why. And um, so that's been a really, really neat thing that, that also in a weird way came from Cedarville too. Now you mentioned that, you know, you, you tell the, uh, the people you're interacting with that you're a full-time missionary. Um, what is in your mind, your plan? Is this a long-term uh, venture for you to stay there as your career or is this more of a short-term missions kind of work? Yeah. Um, so I came here with the intention of committing to one year and I'm six months into that. And um, I'm already in conversation of being hired longer term. Um, I don't know how long I'll be here, but I can't imagine leaving anytime soon. Um, I know that this is where I'm supposed to be for now. I don't know if that means three years or five years or 20 years or the rest of my life. But um, for right now, the plan is to stay here. And we kind of you kind of touched on this earlier, but I'm curious to hear what is the Lord teaching you right now as you care for people in Romania, whether that's just the Romanian people or refugees from Ukraine. Yeah, um, he has taught me so much. So uh, right now, the thing that's been on my heart the last couple of days is just the entire chapter of Isaiah 40, where he kind of talks about how um, you know the Lord is Lord over the nations, and the nations are nothing compared to Him. And then at the end, you know, the really things first where it says those who hope, who, who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Um, and but just before that, it talks about how great the Lord is. And so that's just been a really big encouragement to me because the work that we're doing is good, but it is exhausting at times, um, emotionally, physically, mentally. It's draining because we're continuing the work that we were doing before these refugees came. And then now we have all of this on top of this, that all of us are working in overdrive all the time. Um, and so that's been a big lesson of just, just waiting on him and hoping in him and finding my rest in him when other kinds of rest are not always as available as they used to be. Um, 
So that's been a big thing. And, and another thing that's been on my heart a lot is um, I actually wrote about it recently um, is this idea of hope and, and hope's not necessarily the word that I use because in, in Romanian, there's, there's the word for hope, which is speranza, but then there's this other word that's older and it's called nudeshte. And it, it's more than hope. It's, it's a hope and assurance. So you're putting your hope into something and you're sure that it's going to come through for you. And, and I actually learned this word because of a, a Romanian worship song that was in church, um, where, where it says, um, which is you are my only hope and assurance. And so I, I've been really leaning into that of like, you know, no matter what comes, whether I am supposed to stay in Romania, whether they say it's time for me to go now, um, whether I'm working with refugees and that becomes my full-time thing or whether I continue doing the work I'm doing, um, my only hope is the Lord and, and my only safety is the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm safe in Christ. There's nothing that can harm me when I'm in him. And, and there's no safety apart from him. And so that's been something that, that I've really been learning and leaning into the last couple of weeks throughout all of the uncertainty. Yeah, we, you speak about hope. We, we know as believers that um, hope in Jesus and his work on the cross isn't like something that we wish for, but it's, it's confidence mm -hmm. and it, it gives us assurance and it, it sustains us. So I really appreciate you sharing that um, as an area where you are continuing to learn mm -hmm. While in Romania, you mentioned a little bit ago about uh, dealing with stress. Um, in addition to your pursuit of Jesus, what are other ways that you are finding help in dealing with the stress of being a full-time missionary? Conversation with people from the States has helped a lot. Just having regular calls with parents and friends. Um, I have one really good friend from Cedarville that I talk to every Wednesday night, and she's just such a a help for me to have someone that knows me well, be able to, to, to just talk to her um, and someone who understands American culture too. You know, sometimes it, I love Romanian culture and I'm so glad I'm here, but sometimes there are just days where I just need to talk to someone who, um, and that's really good. Frisbee has been a huge outlet for me because it's that feels normal. And um, there was a while where it was difficult for me being here because I'm a pretty extroverted person, but when I'm in a large group of people who don't speak the same language as me, that can be really exhausting. And so going to be, I get to be in a large group of people who, even if they don't speak English very well, most of them do. Um, we have a shared interest that you don't need to speak the same language. You know, you, we know how to play. And so we go and, and have that time together. And that's been really, really good for me um, to have that outlet. You mentioned the language. And so obviously you speak English quite well. Uh, but you're learning Romanian, is that correct? Yeah. How how often do you speak Romanian as you're caring for people? Not as much as I used to, because Ukrainians do not speak any Romanian. Um, so people oh, really? that I'm around now, they they mainly speak Russian um, or Ukrainian, and so I don't know any of those at all. They understand English. Ukrainians most do, and if they don't, then like. There's only a couple of people staying at the hotel now who don't speak English. So uh, do you work through a translator then? Normally it's just uh, one of their friends will translate for them. Um, we have an official, okay. official translator here. But uh, yeah, so but when I'm with Romanians, I speak Romanian more. Um, there are a couple of young adults that live here and two of them speak English pretty well, but one does not speak any English. And so with her, I speak Romanian and it's good practice. Um, and when I go to the orphanages, the kids don't speak English, so I speak Romanian with them. 
in our after school program as well out in there's a village outside of Cluj that I go to a couple of times a week to help with homework and we do like a, a bible story once a week usually and so I I get to practice my Romanian with them as well which is good so I'm going to ask you I got really one more question but before I get to that question uh, say something to us in Romanian okay yeah that's um so I said, Pate Anima is a song that I really like that we sing, and it says, Pate Anima means my whole heart and so it says my whole heart um i leave in your care um you are lord of my life i leave myself in your care and that's the chorus of the song i know i put you on the spot a little bit there that was great no that's okay (laughs) it's okay well yeah our our time is up but i i want to end the program by asking you to help us in america get again we don't know what the situation is going to be when this podcast airs but how would you guide us here in the States or wherever people are listening to this podcast, it is worldwide, to pray for the situation where you are, where you find yourself, the Ukrainian people, the Romanian people? How, sh- how can we pray for, for you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like I can do this in categories. Praying for me specifically for endurance because things can get exhausting sometimes. Um, and just that the Lord would give me wisdom as things are changing all the time um, to respond to things with grace and love and also be wise in, in what I choose to do. Um, praying for the community center that uh, the people here would feel safe and that they would see the love of Christ through this difficult time, that they would know that, that they're loved and cared for and that um, even though these awful things are happening, the Lord is still good. Um, and also praying for resources for for not only the community center, I mean, our, our main source, a big source of our income was the hotel rooms, and now we're, we're giving them for free to these, these people from Ukraine, um, so that we'll be able to continue to provide, and we're also providing food for them. Um, a lot of the food is donated by restaurants, which has been really, really cool to get to partner with them, but um, we do pay for some of it, and also we're raising a lot of money to send supplies to um, border. So just that the Lord would continue to provide for those needs and um, things like that. Uh, For Romania in general, there's a lot of fear around the war so that the Lord would provide security and hope um, for the people here and for the Ukrainians, for the, the fear that they have of what they're going home to. Finally, for Ukraine itself, pray for, you know, pray for peace, pray for miracles from the Lord that he would continue to move and work in places. And we've heard reports of people from Ukraine where the Lord is working and moving and taking care of them and, and frustrating the plans of, of the soldiers and confusing them to the point where um, we heard stories of, of soldiers actually asking Ukrainians for directions and food. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things going on there, but just continue to pray for them. Yeah. Well, I, I thank you for sharing your heart today on the program, uh, especially uh, the the way that we can pray for you. I, I'm sure those who listen to this podcast will will pray as you guided guided us, and uh, I wish you well. Um, I it's been a delight to get to know you a little bit in the last week. 
over a difficult situation, but uh, and then thank you uh, for joining me from R- Romania on this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. It's my pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.